This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. You may be seated. So good to see faces today. Well, faces with masks on. You could turn to your neighbor and go, you look mighty fine. You need to rock that mask more often. No, just kidding. No, just joking. Hey, right? No, it's really good to see you today. It's good to see some new faces uh, and faces that I haven't seen for a bit. We are excited for this service this morning. Uh, we, I, I'm going to call him an, or, uh, honor, an ornery. There, ornery. He is ornery. There you go. That was the Spirit of God speaking through me. I was trying to to not entertain it, but you know how he just overtakes. No, uh, uh, Larry is an honorary staff member. We call him an honorary staff member. He is. He has been stability in our lives, stability and faithfulness in preaching the Word of God. And he's coming today with a powerful sermon uh, from our series, uh, Rhythms. Everyone say rhythms, right? So would you welcome Larry Tomlinson as he comes? Come on. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. And uh, Henri, I have been called Henri all my life, and I don't, I don't stink and know why. You know. <laughs> oh, it is so good to be with you and to see you here. And I wish I could see you online. And we know that the balcony would be full if that was the case, right? And uh, so we're we're excited to be with you. And and uh, thanks again, Pastor. For I think let let me explain some things here. Uh, Last spring, uh, Jan was in her car in the parking lot, and she pulled out, and she was getting ready to pull forward, and she saw a flash in her eye, and here another car backed right into her car. Bang. And she was, she was innocent. Uh, she was just actually just changing, you know, from reverse to, to drive. She had had the right-of-way because she moved out first. Boom. So that was a repair job. And then... In July, we had, we discovered that our car had been hit twice by pellet guns, and we don't know if it was in our driveway or driving or, you know, if someone was out there shooting on Lancaster or what the deal was. And then uh, shortly after that, my wife, that's not the theme, that's my wife, (laughs) was at the gas station, and somebody backed up right into her without looking. You know, they got done, they wanted to go around the the truck in front of them, and so they just backed up, and bang, more body work right there. Then about two weeks ago, uh, she was in bed sleeping, so she could have nothing to do with this. <laughs> I, uh, I was uh, up and just getting ready to go to bed. It was probably 11 o'clock, I think, and uh, I heard, boom, 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 boom. This is not good. <laughs> went out the door, and somebody had fallen asleep at the wheel, crossed our yard, and slammed into that car again. $6,000 this time. Unlicensed, uninsured. That's why you have that kind of insurance, right? Because it does happen. This car was not moving four times. It's three times been in a body shop because we combined the, uh, the, the pellet shot with the, with the gas station shot all, all at once there. Two different claims, but 
was in the body shop three times. It's still there. Well, we, we being good Christians, thought we need to pray. What's causing this? What is causing this? The Lord is trying to get our attention. And then we put two and two together. Car was hit in April. Pastor, when, what month did you first ask me to preach? April. Did I preach a couple of times in July when it got shot? Yes. And I preached in August, and I'm preaching now, and it got hit in between. The Lord wants me to tell you no next time. <laughs> it's, it's all your fault, right? No, I think the lesson that Jan and I have learned is, yes, when you're doing the will of the Lord, there's going to be oppression. There's going to be things come at you. And your answer to that is, step aside, devil. I'm still walking on. Anyway, it is an honor to be here. And I'm going to take way too long to preach today. So please forgive me for that. Second service, we'll get to when we do. (laughs) Rhythms, rhythms. Uh, According to what we've heard before, and this is a uh, review here. Let's go to that next slide. Uh, rhythms are a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement and sound. A movement with a uniform or pattern recurrence of a beat that Larry cannot do. <laughs> Music cannot exist without rhythm. Right? Melody and harmony, isn't this right, Pastor? Don't, don't work without rhythm. We've got to have uh, Shay on the bass and, this, and, and, and the drums, we've got to have that to make it not be just a noise, not just a sound. God is the creator of rhythm. He, he created the days, he created the hours, he created the seasons, the years. He did all that thing. And he desires that you live within that rhythm. Not just the physical days and seasons, but the days and seasons that is his life given to you or what he has given. Jan and I are living through the days of car wrecks, the total innocence, just sitting there. That's a season that we're in. And uh, so we just, we just need to know that he designed us and he's designed us to fit in those rhythms. If we do so, we find that his life flows through us. We find that his power is released into our spirit. We experience his peace no matter what we face. No matter what we face. Right, Rhonda? No matter what we face. No matter what. His peace. And his peace is beyond our understanding. It is not something that you can say, yeah, I got peace. No, this peace just comes and, it's, and it's maybe we feel all tore up, but we know at the same time God is going to do something good and great. What happens when we lose that rhythm? And we can, especially in these days, right, in this culture. It's called dissonance. And uh, so then we see this next slide. What is dissonance? Harshness, tension, a clash resulting from the combination of two disharmonious or unsuitable elements. I call it racket and confusion. Overwhelming noise. An example of cognitive dissonance, mental dissonance, is when we have someone who comes to protest the free market, who says capitalism is all wrong, and they're wearing the latest in Nike clothing, Ray-Ban glasses, and they're carrying an iPhone 13. That's cognitive dissonance. It doesn't make sense. It it doesn't work. It's an oxymoron. It's paradoxical. But there's a lot of other dissonance and noise. There's there's our car getting hit. There's cancer. There's, there's marital difficulties. There's job loss. There's people being paid more not to work than to work. The things that are just, it just drives you crazy nowadays. 
And uh, we live in that culture, too, where there is more, no more noise and confusion than ever. People say one thing and do another. I'll bet you most people say it's wrong to red, run red lights. But I can tell you on Lancaster, watch before you go. That's all I can say is watch before you go. Um, people oppose and they propose just to stand out, even if they know it's crazy. The crazier, the better. But then it catches on and becomes a meme. And the next thing you know, people are saying things and doing things. You're going, this is nuts. This is nuts. If, if you really want to help yourself, just sometimes don't go on the Internet and don't watch TV and don't listen to radio and go hunting. That, 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 that would be it. That would be it. Do something. Get away from it all. The pandemic has brought a tremendous amount of dissonance, of noise and confusion. I have literally personally seen one doctor say one thing about the shots and another doctor qualified say another thing about the shots, especially the timing of the shots. It's crazy. One state has mandates that says this. Another state says no mandates and says that. What do we do? I've never met so many people in my life that are absolutely know the truth about everything, and they learned it all on the Internet. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Cray-cray, as they say. <laughs> the, pressure, the pressure of the pandemic and of this noise and this confusion has entered the church, too. Almost every pastor can tell you there's fewer people in direct attendance than there ever has been. And there's been more... Uh, fights in church over a mask, believe it or not, Trenton should be happy. The worship wars are over. Now it's the mask wars, you know. It's not whether we play the old classic, it's whether you should wear a mask or not. And it's entered the church, and, and the church has been sifted. There have been many people who just dropped out. Some are online, yes, and thank you for being there. But others have just said, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. The American church has become good at putting on a Sunday morning presentation. What a phenomenal worship set we had this morning. I was just so drawn into the spirit. Thank you guys for doing that. Just thank you. Because I, I, I was in the Lord, I'm telling you. His presence was so strong and so real. But we've been good at that, but not so good at growing roots of faith and obedience. The result is that there's a ton of noise that's allowed into their lives, which has caused them to drop out and hunker down into thinking just like the world around them. They're afraid, they're angry, and they have a me-first attitude. And I'm sorry, I'm talking about people who say they're believers here. Just try, again, try the mask talk with them, whichever side you're on. Let me ask you this. What would Paul say about masks? What did he say about meat sacrificed to idols? I'll never eat meat again if it causes someone weaker than me to fail. I don't think that... That chat's been brought up by many people. Why? Because it's in the Scripture. You have to be grounded in the Lord to know these sorts of things. Well, how do we get, if we got out of rhythm, how do we walk in rhythm? If we're in rhythm, how do we stay there in a dissonant world? How do we get in rhythm if we're offbeat? Now, I, I got no musical ability. It's a total sham that Trenton would even suggest that I'd be on the worship team. I've... <laughs> You know, I've teased about that before. But, you know, it really helps me when someone up here is clapping. Because then when I clap, it's not me going, I'm watching, right? Ju Julie, right, whatever. 
whatever. But woe to me if anybody who is musical is near me and starts clapping on the offbeat. Now I'm... I can't get it. I, I don't know it. It doesn't happen in me. I have other talents, so being good looking and smart, stuff like that. My wife is so lucky. <laughs> but how do we live off of the dissonance grid when the whole culture and the whole world and sometimes even our church is living on that grid? That is the question. Well, the question, the answer is found in Scripture. Just for context now, we're going to go to uh, Matthew 11, which is our central Scripture to this this. Uh, series. Uh, Jesus had just been up on the mountain and he had been transfigured with some of his disciples, but other disciples were at the bottom of, of the hill. And, and no, I'm sorry, I, I jumped somewhere. My mind jumped somewhere. I'm in the wrong spot. Woo! He had just finished rebuking the religious leaders of certain cities for not receiving his message and saying that their message was filled with harshness and noise and guilt inducing. And it was made labor intensive for the people in the pew, but not so much for the people doing the preaching. And he comes and he says to them this in the NIV. He's talking to his disciples now. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the uh, message, which is a paraphrase, not a translation, it says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's quite a promise. Do you need to get out of the noise and the confusion? You need to restore the peace and the fruit of the, of the Spirit in your life. You need to reset your life to be in the unforced rhythms of grace. Get yoked up with Jesus. Now, I want to explain a little bit about the yoke. I, Chuck, I'm, I'm ready here. I, I spent hours and hours and hours uh, making this. Uh, it's called rustic, folks. Rustic. <laughs> Shabby something, not sheep, not sheep, okay? Little boiling water, and you can bend this in one shape and, and miss the whole shape over here. It's great. Do I have any volunteers? I need two volunteers. Come on. I'm not going to embarrass you. You're not going to have to do anything. Just wear the yoke. Can somebody come up here? Come on. Yeah, that's a girl. All right. All right. We got two. We, oh, all right. We got two. Oh, man. I have a joke I want to tell right now, but I don't dare. <laughs> okay, so if you guys will put on your... It's not glued together, so don't, don't yank, please. It'll, it'll fall apart. All right. So, yoke. Now, the people of the day were agricultural people. They got what Jesus was saying right away. They, they figured it out. To us, we think of sometimes as a yoke as like, uh, like handcuffs or something. Like, like it's, you know, like we're being... We're being put in the stocks or something. But that was not what they thought. When Jesus said, take my yoke, 
he was talking about what happens in the fields with, with big, strong animals. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But in reality, the yoke does two things. It, takes, it, it uh, maximizes strength, brings the two and, you know, two are stronger than one. And the other thing is it brings guidance. Usually what was happening, if you have matched animals, that's great. But usually what was happening, you had maybe a, an experienced uh, oxen or horse or mule or donkey or whatever, um, strong men, whatever. And, and one was experienced and one of them was not so much and had to, had to learn. So what you did was you yoked them up like this and, and, then you, and then get this now. Think of when Jesus is, take my yoke, okay? The stronger one, if you're pulling a cart, you put a little more weight on their side because they knew what to do. And the one that didn't know what to do, you put a little less weight. Plus, the stronger, experienced one knew that when you got to uh, if you're plowing the field and you got the left turn, we just start left turning. And the other one is going, there's grass, I want to eat it. Oh, oh, I'm going this way, aren't I? Because the bigger, stronger one was, was guiding. Right? But the main purpose of the yoke was to keep these two together. To keep one from getting wild. Now, now translate this in over, take this over to... Uh, you guys pick which one's Jesus and which one's not. That doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If Jesus is the strong one who knows where to go and knows how to bear the burden, don't you want to be in a yoke with him? That's the point of take my yoke. You, the, the, the burden is light for you. He's carrying the burden. The way is easy for you because he's directing your path. That's the concept of, of yoke. Okay, guys, thank you very much. Chuck, you can actually take it away. Thank you. All right. Now, let me tell you something about that yoke. This is, this is free uh, prophecy from God, okay? Maybe from Larry, but I think it, it really does apply. You either have, you have three choices. Go your own way and don't wear it. You just be your own God. You be your own man or woman. Do your thing. Your second choice is to say, Jesus, I know your head's in that side, but I want to put my head in that side too. I want to be the one who kind of determines things over here. And really, that's the same result as the first one. The third thing you can do is say, Jesus, that's your side. This is my side. Will you help me here? Not only put it on, but help me get through life. This is how you begin to get into the rhythms of grace. It's accepting the yoke that Jesus is given. Because he's stronger than you are. He's smarter than you are. He's wiser than you are. And me too. Yeah. Do remember that God's yoke is easy. God's yoke is easy, but it doesn't mean you don't work. He's not like the little... little uh, child that went and put his microwave popcorn into the microwave and came back two minutes later and then went run to mom and said, it didn't pop. Nothing happened. She said, did you start it? No. Do you have to do that? Yeah. You still have things to do when you're in the yoke. You're learning. You're moving. You're pulling the weight. And Jesus is slowly going to move more weight to your side so you learn to, to be a true partner in the kingdom. There's stuff to do. Okay. 
two quick review things, and I'm going to hit them really quick. Pastors preached on these. Your first, and accepting that yoke, one of the first things you do is find a time of solitude. Like I said, get away from this world. Get yourself alone with God and just make sure that you shut things out. And I'm going to say something that might kind of break your thinking here. It's, it's my preference. You can do it your way. I don't even like to have on music when I'm alone with God. Why? Because I start getting into the music. Yes, that makes me feel good. And I, but then I start thinking about the artist. Then I start thinking about, oh, there must be another song coming up. Instead of going, what is God saying? Now, sometimes he can speak through music, and sometimes I do it that way. I, I say, okay, I'm going to listen to the song, but I'm going to uh, shut it off at a certain point so I can just hear God. Anyway, solitude is a good thing. It's so against our, our grain. We've got to be too busy. Second is the Sabbath rest, mixed with a holy attitude regarding our work. If we go to work for Jesus, you really won't work another day in your life, in a sense. But you also need to have that Sabbath time. Work hard when you're with, with your employer, when you're, or, or you're the employer. Work hard so that when you're with your employees. But whatever you do, glorify Jesus in the way you work. And you'll actually preach more by doing that than you will if you sit down and try to bother every neighbor with, with the four spiritual laws or something like that. Work hard, but take a Sabbath rest. And take that Sabbath rest to be with your family, to refresh yourself, and just to in, enjoy God on that day. This week, I'm going to speak on a third aspect of finding our rhythm. And it's taking up the yoke of prayer. Can we? I, I had this idea on, on to do that. And then Trenton made it happen. He, Trenton's awesome. Because I couldn't do it. But you see, prayer, and it's a yoke. And to enter into a relationship with Jesus, you need to be a person who prays. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the disclaimer here now. I am not an expert in prayer. I confess I'm still learning and growing in prayer. After many decades, I still don't have it down. Sometimes I fail to pray. Sometimes Jan has to be my anchor and say, have you prayed about it yet? Oh, yeah. I'm just an ordained pastor. Why would I have to think of that? <laughs> I'm not here to lay a burden of rules and schedules about prayer on you. You've got to be up at 5 a.m. every day. No, I'm not going to do that. That would be hypocritical on my part, because if I made rules for you, I wouldn't keep them for myself. I am here to move you to be hungry, to talk with God, and to give you some handles about prayer itself in case you need them. If you don't need these handles today, if you're ahead of me on this curve, then pray for me right now as I try to give you something to eat from the Lord's Word. I'll just say this. If you're, if you're, if you're ahead of me on all this, now's a good time to pray. And if you're just starting, now's a good time to pick a few nuggets. And if you're in the middle, then just graze. And whatever God drops into your heart, then, then apply it to your life. First, what is prayer? Real simple. It's communication between you and God. Not just talking. It's communication between you and God. It is the yoke of intimate information sharing between the believer and God. It's you talking to God and you listening to what he has to say. Jen and I are both uh, hard of hearing now. And my children said, amen. Did you say that? I'm not sure if I heard you. But anyway, the, uh, we have found, we have some very comical situations happening in our in our house. You did not say that. I did too. You weren't listening. Yes, I was too listening. 
you were in the utility room and I was in the kitchen. How could I possibly have known what you said? See, the problem with, with losing your hearing is you don't, you, just, you don't lose it all. You lose certain tones. I lost the high tones. Jan lost the low tones. So that, what that means is not that I don't hear your words, but I don't hear all of the words that you said. So if you took a word like sigh, has that sigh? To me, it sounds like sigh. You're missing something. So how do you, how do you fix this? You get face to face and you read lips at the same time. You get in the same room and you face each other. And you've heavenly days, you don't say something when the TV is on because who knows what's going on. But prayer is communicating, and it's best done face-to-face, side-to-side in the yoke. Ravi, Ravi Zacharias said, I think the reason we sometimes have the false sense that God is so far away is because that is where we have put him. We've kept him at a distance. And then when we are in need and call on him in prayer, we wonder where he is. He's exactly where we left him. So I've got several things to cover with you here, and I'm going to Move right along. So, so be ready. What are some of the concepts of prayer? What are some of the, the just general concepts of prayer? Number one, a praying life is a Christ-like life. Jesus modeled a life of prayer. He prayed at the beginning of his ministry in the wilderness. He prayed on the cross. He prayed in the garden. He prayed all the time in between. The scripture says in Luke five sixteen, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So if you want to be like Jesus, then live a life of prayer as he did. Commune with him, wear the yoke of prayer. Be in with him in prayer. Get away from the crowd often and pray. Number two, prayer is voluntary. It's volitional. All of Christianity is based on you volunteering yourself. The world will tell you, no, God's trying to keep you under his thumb. He's just trying to make you a slave. No, all Jesus ever says is come, follow, come. It's up to you. Jesus did not say, come here so I can put my yoke on you. You bunch of brats. You haven't got it figured out yet. You get in that yoke and you get there now. That's the way I raised my kids. Anyway. Instead, he said, you take it. You choose it. Prayer is the same way. You can either choose to talk to him or you choose. And I'm using that Word purposely, you choose not to. Do you want his power to pull your burdens? Do you want his guidance in all the confusion and the dissonance? Then choose to hear from and speak to God in prayer. Number three, you never pray alone. Oh, but you said to get by yourself. But you're not alone. Psalms 139 says, I can go to the highest, furthest away star, and God is there. I can go to the very core of the earth, the center of of hell. God would know about me, and I I could talk to him. You never pray alone. Sometimes you pray with people. Sometimes you pray with others. Sometimes you pray by yourself, but you're always praying with and to God. Number four, prayer is a journey of discovery of God and, and yourself. Yes, we ask for things when we pray. Help, healing, safety, much more among our uh, 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 deeper prayers are often revelatory. They they reveal things to us. 
God shows us his character. I really like the prayer found in Ephesians 3. It says in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father, this is Paul talking, of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, and he would, that he would grant you, according to the riches and glory, to be strengthened with might through his, inner, through his spirit in the inner man. Now, did you hear that? Talk about di- lack of dissonance. Strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I would like to have that happen. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, oh, that sounds so good, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you want all the fullness of God? Wow. Just the revelation that God wants to pour into your life through prayer. Now to him who is able to exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I want to, I want to just hit this with you. I've always looked at now to him who is able and thinking, oh, I could ask for big things. I'm going to get to college. I'm going to get a job. He's going to pay my bills. He's going to heal my leg. He's going to do all this stuff. But what this applies to directly in the context is God wants to be inside of you and fill you with all the love that he possibly has. And he is able to do that bigger than better than you can possibly think or ask. That's what it really applies to is God's presence in your life. I've prayed this prayer over myself. I've prayed it over my family, my family members. I've prayed it over you, Pastor. And what I did was I took the pronoun you out or us and I put your names in there. I put your names in there. Because that's what I want for you. I think that'd be more important than anything else is for you to know God like that. Number five, prayer is a relationship more than an event. I spent time in prayer is not the same thing as saying necessarily, I spent time with God. Because we can sure fill the air with our noise and not really be with God. We communicate most intimately with those we have the closest relationship to, or we should anyway. Now, you may notice I'm mentioning Jan a lot today, and I usually do in my sermons. But one of the reasons for that is I'm talking about yoking, and we have been yoked for over 50 years now. And so to me, it applies in my life for, for, for this message in, in a great way. There are times when uh, we have marital ESP. One of us brings up the subject, and the other one says, Will you stop thinking inside my head? I was just going to say that. I was just going to. You ever have that happen? Some of you say, No. What's it like? It's weird. But anyway, (laughs) it it does that. We have marital ESP. It happens to us uh, quite often. And God wants to be yoked with you in the same way. He wants the communication of prayer to be based on relationship rather than duty or our pursuit of need or a slot of time. I love miracles, and I love those kinds of answered prayers, but I love even more to hear God's voice speaking to me based in his love. So what's contained in our prayers? This is just real quick. You'll see it up on on the screen. Praise and thanksgiving, petitions that are practical and and emotional, spiritual, intercessional. We pray for other people, personal. We also can put scripture in our prayers. God loves it when we speak in his scripture because he knows we're seeking his truth. Listening should be included in your prayers. That's one of the hardest ones for me. Just, just stop thinking, Larry, and listen. And commitment. Pastor got up here this morning and said, would you, would you submit? And it's really good in your prayers sometimes to say, yes, Lord, I will do what you want me to do. Okay, so what are the qualities of our soul that God looks for in those who pray? 
First, faith. The disciples were left at the, some of the disciples were left at the foot of the mountain when Jesus was transfigured. Okay? He went up the mountain. He was transfigured. Some disciples were with him. But then when they came back down, they found almost a riot going on. And, uh, and, and he, so he wanted to find out what happened. And he found out that his father had brought his son who was demon-possessed, and the disciples could not cast him out. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. If I can? Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Faith is important. As a matter of fact, you don't need a ton of faith. Look at this father. Help my unbelief. Jesus said in other places, if you just have that seed, a seed of faith, a tiny bit of faith, great and wonderful things will happen. So you come to the qualities of our soul. We've got to trust and believe. And Jesus did deliver the boy and told the disciples, hey, you've got to pray to get these kind of demons out. So next, the second quality God looks for is humility. And I've really got too much scripture here. But in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching on on how to pray. He says, don't be like the ones that pray on the corner, and this, but go to your closet, right? I'm paraphrasing very quickly to get through this. And he says, then your father will see what you've done in secret. But then he says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. One. The reason I'm reading that is because I learned it in King James and I've learned it in NIV and I've learned it in NASB and I just can't say it all in the one translation anymore. But nonetheless, what I want you to note is note the humility. Jesus isn't actually teaching you to pray our fathers. Some of you with a certain background know what I'm talking about. You've got to pray the our fathers. No, what he's teaching you is, because you from the context up earlier, he says don't pray out in the street. Get alone and pray. Humble yourself. Our Father who art in heaven, worship. Someone is greater than me. I have need for food. I can't make my own food. Lord, would you please give me food? I need spiritual forgiveness, and I need to forgive other people, and that's really hard to forgive other people, even forgive myself. I need to humble myself. And I don't know which way to go, Lord. Keep me from temptation. Keep me away from evil. See, there's humility involved there. The biggest quality, I think, two qualities are faith and humility, not pride. Why don't we pray? We claim to be too busy, but the reality is we believe other things are more important or more fruitful. I'm going to be honest with you there. You're not too busy to pray. You just haven't set aside time to pray. After all, how much time would you have if you quit waiting behind 16 cars at Dutch Bros or uh, Starbucks? Huh? How much time would you have in a day? Huh? Come on now. I know I'm meddling, but just come on. It's a matter of priority. It's not a matter of time. Secondly, we don't believe prayer is effective. We don't think it works. We tried it once. No, but God didn't do what we wanted, so why should I keep doing it? Three, we are fatalists. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. There's my singing. Whatever will be, will be. We are believers, but we think God doesn't going to leave anything up to us, and, and he's not got any relationship with us. He doesn't delegate anything to me when the Scripture says exactly the opposite. He wants to, to relate to you. 
I'm not lovable or worthy for God, to, for God to bother with me. I'm too guilty, too broken for God to care. That's not true. Somebody else will do it. Oh, thanks, Pastor. You're doing all the prayer for all the rest of us while we go to Starbucks and Dutch Bros, okay? Maybe Jesus is only a doctrine to you. I'm sorry, he's a person, and you can be introduced to him and get him in your heart and life. Then you'll have somebody to talk to. But he's not just a doctrine. What kind of prayers are there? Private prayers, public prayers, corporate prayers, silent prayers, whispered prayers, desperate prayers, prayers for supply and money, healing requests, understanding, intercessory prayers, prayers to receive the Spirit, prayers speaking in the Spirit. There is no limit on your prayers. I had a dear lady once in a, in a Saturday night prayer uh, meeting, and I asked her to close in prayer. She was new in the Lord, and she says, I don't know how. I said, what do you mean you don't know how? Well, the particular denomination I was raised in, only certain people prayed, and they prayed out of a book. You don't have a book, and I'm not one of those people. I said, let me show you how to do this. I said, would you just repeat after me? She said, okay. I said, dear Jesus. She said, dear Jesus, bless these people as they go their way. Bless these people as they go their way. In your name, amen. In your name, amen. So you just talk to God. All sorts of prayers, learning prayers, long prayers, short prayers, arrow prayers, devotional prayers. When should you pray? Ephesians 6, 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything but in Every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the rest of it is what? You know? And the peace of God, which passes, transcends, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And doesn't that sound like rhythm? Yes. Doesn't it? 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, 18. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It isn't when I should pray. It is pray now. It isn't how often I should pray. It is pray always. It isn't how should I pray. It is pray in every way possible. It isn't who should I pray for. It's pray for everybody, even your enemies. It isn't where should I pray. It's pray everywhere. Let me circle back. I want to make sure I'm clear. It's okay. You should set your own time of devotional prayer. And it can be any time of the day. Some of you are morning people, and some of you think morning came from hell. <laughs> right? You, it can come after your first cup of coffee or your second cup of coffee. You can pray at noon, even at work. You can separate yourself from your crowd. You can pray. Pray then. You can pray in the evening. Turn the TV off, and you'll find you're really bored, and you've got to find something to do sometimes. Some people get up at 2 a.m. and pray. They're weird, but they do it. There isn't a law about this except do it. Do it. To skip it is to give the devil the opportunity to plant dissonance and, and lack of harmony into your life, to ruin the rhythms. My grandma Mary Tomblinson was an old-time Pentecostal. Her hair was in so tight a bun, her feet did not touch the floor. She, she wore a dress almost every day of her life. Gardening, feeding the chickens, killing the chickens. The only time she never wore a dress 
was when, during harvest time, when they had a wheat farm. And it was just too much chaff and everything, and then she'd wear coveralls and be just so embarrassed that she's dressed like a man. Times have changed, folks. But she loved Jesus with all of her heart. I'll never forget her wisdom about prayer. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but it's still the essence of what she said. Prayer isn't a once-in-the-morning thing. It's a lifestyle. And she should know. She was widowed when her oldest child was 15, and she had seven more besides that one. She raised eight kids through the Depression by herself. I say you better be yoked to Jesus in prayer if that's what you're going to do. And as before the days of unemployment and welfare and stuff like that, When you first start to pray, one or two minutes can seem like an eternity. But if you stick with it, the time will stretch. And don't worry about those interruptions, you know, that come up where your mind just wanders off and you think about that tire you've got to fix or that, that thing at the work you've got to do. Don't. Matter of fact, that's the Lord giving you something to pray about. Grab it and pray about it, then move back right, right into what you're doing. It's all good. You'll grow. You'll get better. Not better. You'll just get to know Jesus better. And, and you'll, you'll, you'll get there. I'm asking you today, please choose to be yoked with Jesus in prayer because his promise is real. Your burden will be light. Your God rhythms will be strong. The guidance will be there. I'm not here to set rules except pray. Pray the way you pray. If you want music, you have music. But just make sure you're getting deeper and deeper and deeper in Jesus Christ. Set a time outside of devotion, but then pray the rest of the time too. As every time God leads you, and even when he doesn't. I'm going to conclude with a little commercial here. Jan and I are, are the uh, prayer team leads for for the, the group that comes up and prays here. And also there are people here who receive emails and, and texts and saying, I'll pray when we get a prayer request uh, through online or, or however it comes to us, we, we will pray for people. Yeah, musicians, it's a good time. It's, it's all right. I'm getting, I'm getting close to being done, believe it or not. And um, we would like to invite you, if prayer is, is something you would want to do or want to grow in, if you want to just pray at home for people, just talk to Jan or me and we'll get you started on, on you know, some orientation, get you going. Or if you're even bold enough to say, I'm, I'm, it doesn't take much boldness, but come up in and pray with people up in front. Because there's people out here who may have recognized the need and they, they, want, they need to hear somebody pray for them. I love when pastor prays over us. I used to do that when I pastored. And, and I, I love that. And... This way you get it personally for exactly what you, what you need. So please, this is a little commercial, but I'd love to have you here. Now, now, time to close. So what I want you to do is pray. We're going to just take a, a few seconds. And I'm only going to ask you to, I have one request for you to pray for. I would like you to pray that God would enhance and expand your prayer life. And that you would commit to it. But as Pastor said uh, earlier, that you would ask him, what do you, how do you want me to do it? Where can I do it? I don't mean you need to go from 15 minutes to half an hour or an hour unless God leads you. But maybe he wants you to do it morning and evening. 
maybe he wants you to feel more open about about uh, praying in places you're not normally open to praying. Just take a moment. Take a moment and ask God, how can you engage in the prayer yoke with him? How can you find that rhythm of grace? How can you talk and listen to him? Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your care. I'm asking you for me, Lord. Just, just studying this message has been so challenging for me. To know how many places I've left you out and how I need to include you. Lord, I just, I just want to tell you that I'm sorry that sometimes I made prayer about me, like the song says, about worship. And I really want prayer to be about what you have for me rather than what I have for you. Enhance my prayer life, please. And do that for all of these people, Lord. Let them not be a part of the dissonance, Lord, but be a part of the grace of rhythms that you have given us. Enhance their prayer lives, Lord, in whatever way you want it to be. Thank you for your love. Please bring great blessing in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to invite our prayer team forward now. Please come. Thank you. And if you want prayer, this is a great time. We just talked about it. You notice I didn't emphasize answers to prayer? God will give those. What we need to do is go to him in prayer, right? Stand to your feet, please. You're dismissed. Enjoyed being with you. May God bless you all. See you online, folks, too. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us, and have a blessed day.